Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 199 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline, and we are back this week after a few weeks off with another look ahead to the 2021 college football season and the 2022 NFL Draft. We're on to the Power Five conferences now and starting off with the Big Ten, which could look a bit different in several years with some Big 12 teams possibly joining the fray. But for now and for the next few years, we have 14 teams to cover on this week's show. But first, Tony, you took a well-earned vacation the last couple of weeks. Were you able to recharge a bit for the upcoming football season? Yeah, you know, I was away for two weeks in the state of Florida, sitting on a beach for a week with my wife and daughter, then went to Disney World for six days with my daughter. And I was itching to get back and, and basically dive back into the film, which I have. So it's basically nothing but... Uh, film and work from here on out till the season begins and then it's more film and work so yeah i mean it was a good two-week break and highly recommended anyway florida is great and we will get to this week's show in just a minute but first a word from our sponsor july is almost over and this is a great time of year for sports if you're into sports betting bet online is where you should go to win money today with the nba finals ending and the MLB heading into the second half of the season, there's plenty of betting action to get involved in. If you're a football better, there are tons of futures and props you can wager on as well. And BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join or receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, Head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now moving on to the Big Ten Conference. This past April, 44 players drafted from the Big Ten. Only two teams without a pick. One kind of a surprise in Michigan State. Another not so much in Rutgers. 18 of those 44 selections came from Ohio State and Michigan 10 Buckeyes and eight Wolverines. And those numbers also include 20 players taken in the first three rounds and seven first round picks. Tony, what's the outlook on the big 10 for 2022 compared to this past year? Yeah, I don't think it's as good. Obviously Ohio state is going to lead the pack in the big 10 once again, obviously, because they've seemed to be always the class of this uh, conference. But I think uh, what you'll notice as we go through the teams, you're going to constantly hear me say, Real good football player, but not a great athlete and not a great next level prospect. That holds true for a lot of teams in this conference. And we'll start with one of those teams, and that is Illinois. Two draft picks in April, third round guard Kendrick Green and fifth round cornerback Nate Hobbs. The Illini are on an every other year trend right now over the past five in the draft. They could break that in 2022, though, and get consecutive years with a draft pick. There are several late round options on the roster including leading tackler Jake Hansen, who also led the team in tackles in 2018. He's back for his second senior year. And not only does Hansen get to the ball and make plays on the ball, he also has three interceptions and nine forced fumbles the last 17 games. So he takes away the ball 
as well. Also makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. But Hanson isn't the only Illini linebacker of note. Senior Kalen Tolson, 39 tackles in seven games as a first-year starter in 2020. Smaller and a bit more athletic than Hanson. While junior Tariq Barnes, 25 tackles in five games as a sophomore in his first real action on the field. All three of these guys are day three options, but not the only ones that the Illini boast. How do you break down Illinois, Tony? Well, I mean, when you look at the top three guys on my Illinois board, you mentioned Jacob Hansen. The other one would be Daniel Barker, the tight end, and Verdanian Love, the offensive lineman. Again, real good football players, but not great athletes. You mentioned Hansen's number. He's smart. He's instinctive. He's very efficient. You know, he flows to the action well. He doesn't have lapses on the field. But, I mean, he goes about six foot one, 238 pounds, and he runs in the four eights. So unless somehow he runs in the four sixes prior to the draft, you're looking at a fifth round pick. Barker's a terrific pass catcher, but again, six foot three, 250 pounds, barely breaks the four eight range in the 40. Verdanian Lowe's a guy that we've talked about a couple of years on this podcast. After his sophomore year, I had him graded as draftable. He's kind of leveled off. He's a left tackle who probably projects the guard. He doesn't move badly. Uh, he's a guy you may be able to use in his own blocking system. Very efficient. Long arms, big hands, a smart guy as well. You mentioned Tolson. Tolson's probably the best athlete. He runs in the four sevens, but he's under six foot tall. I think I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys right now on the Illini roster that have late fifth to uh, late sixth round grades. So they're probably going to have a lot of guys drafted. I just don't think they're going to have too many guys drafted. They may not have any guys drafted within the first 150 selections. And moving over to Indiana, just one pick this year. Safety, Jamar Johnson, eight straight drafts with a selection for the Hoosiers. Should make it nine in 2022. Almost a dozen draftable prospects on the roster. The guy we talked about a lot during the 2020 campaign, and rightfully so, was wide receiver Ty Freifogel, one of the leading receivers in the entire conference. Really good size and body control, capable of making big plays. Not the best separator out of his roots. Did struggle a bit after Michael Penix Jr. went down due to injury. But Penix says he'll be back week one this year, which bodes well for Fry Fogel. Despite the production, though, Fry Fogel is not the top NFL prospect at Indiana. Right tackle Matt Bedford is one of two Hoosiers with a chance to crack day two of the draft. He's been a starter since his freshman season when he played left tackle, has since moved over to the right side, has good size power and movement skills. And then linebacker Marcelino McCrary Ball. It's a bit small, but he's good in pursuit. Does have two season-ending injuries, though. Missed last year with a torn ACL. He played just three games in 2017 before succumbing to injury as well. So he will need a healthy and productive senior year in order to hit his draft ceiling. Yeah, and again, I think after Bedford, you're looking at Indiana with a lot of late picks, a lot of late-round picks, fifth, sixth-round guys. I love Bedford. I personally have him graded as a third-rounder. He's a big athletic right tackle. I don't think you can move the left tackle, but he's big and he's strong and he just annihilates people to point. I liked him as a true sophomore. I liked him last year. Uh, there are some scouts that uh, grade Marcelino McCrary ball as a third rounder. I I'm going to take a wait and see attitude on him. I mean, he's got safety size. Yeah, he's a run and chase linebacker. But as you mentioned, you know, a guy who's very athletic, he's undersized, but he's had that entire injury history. That's just a big red flag for me. Fry Fogel's a great receiver. He's not a great athlete. I grade him as a late fifth, early sixth round pick. I have yet to talk to any scout that has put a draftable grade on him. 
primarily because of his size and speed. Six foot one, 205 pounds. He's a guy who may crack four six in the 40. Real good pass catcher, but as you said, can't separate. They've got a lot of other guys, especially in the secondary. Devon Matthews, the safety. Taiwan Mullen, the cornerback. Reese Taylor, the cornerback. These guys are all six-round grades on my board. Uh, Peyton Hendershot's another guy, the tight end, who's been a very productive player, but he's not a great athlete. Six, three and a half, 245 pounds. Runs in the uh, mid to high four sevens. You know, you're looking at a number two, uh, uh, maybe a number three tight end at the next level. Also keep an eye on Stephen Carr, graduate transfer from USC. I grade him as a six-round pick. Entered last year, uh, was given draftable grades by scouts. They kind of forgot about him. Very good ball carrier. I think he's going to add a dimension to that uh, Indiana offense that they haven't had at running back. Indiana is a well-coached team. They're not going to have any high draft picks, but they're going to be in the hunt for the Big Ten championship as far as I'm concerned. And that's an idea that I got when I watched them this year on film. Now, Iowa, four selections in April and at least three draft picks each of the past five years. The underclassmen for the Hawkeyes are going to have to carry that torch a bit for that trend to continue. Tight end Sam Laporta looks to continue what is really a rich tradition of Iowa tight ends in the NFL, similar size to TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, and George Kittle coming out. The Hawkeyes certainly have a type at the position, and maybe he's not quite those guys yet. Maybe he'll never quite be those guys, but did lead Iowa in catches last year, even over Vikings fifth-round wide receiver Amir Smith-Marset. Tyler Linderbaum could be the eighth offensive lineman drafted out of Iowa since 2015. He's been a starter at center since his redshirt freshman season. Was named second team all Big Ten as a sophomore. But Tony, I know you're not quite as high on Linderbaum as many are. Why is that? He's good, but he's not special at this point. I've seen people who have stamped him as a first rounder. I just don't see him as a first rounder yet. He's decent, but he's not great in motion. He doesn't finish his blocks. He's got to get a little bit bigger. He's got to get a bit, a little bit stronger. Uh, and I think he does have a high upside. He's just not there yet. Laporta on the other side, I think he's a terrific prospect. Doesn't have the same speed as some of the former Iowa tight ends that you mentioned, but he's a tremendous pass catcher. He finds ways to split the seam. He makes a difficult catch in a crowd. He finds ways to separate and he's not a bad blocker. Also keep an eye on safety, Dane Belton, who an underclassman who I've graded as a fifth rounder. You know, a lot of Iowa safeties have made it in the league. Belton is quick. He's explosive. He's a tough run defender who also shows ability in coverage. Now, Maryland, no top 200 picks in April. Running back Jake Funk did go 233rd overall to the Rams. It's the first time since 2017 that the Terps did not have multiple draft picks. And we might see a repeat in 2022 unless left tackle Jalen Duncan declares a player we discussed last season, excellent size and strength, good footwork, but just might not be enough to stay on the left side at the NFL level. Senior wide receiver Dante Demas led the team with 24 catches, 365 yards, and four touchdowns in five games last year. Has been the team's leading receiver in each of the past two seasons. Just a guy who knows how to get open. Could end up being a solid third-day selection, but other than these two and an interesting tight end, I'm sure Tony will mention, not a ton brewing with the Terrapins. Yeah, they had a lot of graduate transfers, a lot of guys that left for other schools. A couple of them um, left for Louisville. So they were really hurt both on the field, on the depth chart, and in the war room by transfers. You know, you, you mentioned Aquanu, the uh, tight end, 62 and a half, 250 pounds, runs in the low four sevens, 
solid pass catcher. They just got to find a way to get him involved in the offense more. If they do, I think he's the type of uh, tight end that can slide into the late rounds. I give him, I've given him a free agent grade. I like Jalen Duncan. Jalen Duncan has been on our board for the past two years. He's shown terrific progress in his game. He's got a high upside. He's got real good size. He's a big tackle who has good feet. And I, I think the sky's the limit for him. I think he's going to be highly rated when he enters the draft. Dante Demas, some scouts like him as a mid-round pick. Uh, he's got excellent size, but again, you know, he struggles to separate, though he catches everything uh, that, that's thrown in his direction. I grade him as a late fifth rounder. Now, Michigan had eight players drafted in April, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the third time in the past five years with at least that many draft picks. And four of those went in the first three rounds. First rounder in defensive end, Quiddy Pay. And there are two more defensive linemen that topped the board for the Wolverines, Aiden Hutchinson, had a leg fracture and his 2020 campaign after three games, but he had 68 tackles, 10 and a half of them for loss, four and a half sacks and six pass breakups in a full 2019 season does have some room to grow into his long six, six frame and help him play off the edge in a four, three scheme, junior defensive tackle, Chris Hinton entering his first full season as a starter after he had 13 tackles, two for loss and one sack in 2020 should only see his role increase this season and hopefully his production with it. And linebacker Michael Barrett filled 2020 fifth-round pick Kaliki Hudson's role on defense with 44 tackles in his first year as a starter, speed to go sideline to sideline and make plays. And there are several other interesting Wolverines on defense besides the guys I mentioned, Tony, break down Jim Harbaugh's squad for us. Well, it's tough to break him down because you don't know if they're going to play up to their ability because you don't know what you're getting with Harbaugh. Not so much the players. I like Barrett a lot. You know, you mentioned the comparison to Kaliki Hudson. I think that's a good one. He's under six foot tall, but he's fast. He's explosive. He covers a lot of area on the field. Fourth year junior. I presently grade him as with the presently handed him a fourth round grade. Chris Hinton plays on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage as his famous dad did. Obviously, his dad was a great left tackle in the league for many years. His dad was part of that John Elway trade, drafted by the Denver Broncos, ended up with the Indianapolis Colts. The son, Chris, a lot like the dad. Very explosive, very athletic, very mobile. I think Chris Jr. has got to add a little more strength and bulk to his game. Right now, he looks like a three-technique type of tackle, but he has an upside. Aiden Hutchinson, you know, when he's healthy and he's on his game, he's tough to stop. I've given him a, a second-round grade. He could go a little bit higher. You want to see what his height and weight are. He probably, if he comes in under 270 pounds, that's going to be a bit of a red flag. Uh, he's got to return from his injury. He's got to play well, and then he's got to look good. He's got to look stout uh, in pre-draft workouts. Some of the other middle-round picks, Daxton Hill, the safety, Vincent Gray, the cornerback, Brad Hawkins, the safety. Andrew Stuber is a guy that is well-liked in the scouting community. Some scouts have him graded as early as a fifth-round pick, which is exactly where I have him. Now, staying in the state of Michigan and going over to Michigan State, as mentioned earlier, no picks in 2020-21. The first time that happened since 1940. The streak of 80 straight drafts with a selection was broken last year. Probably not going to have the same fate again in 2022, but the impact is going to be a bit limited nonetheless. They do have two names that listeners of this show should recognize. Senior quarterback Anthony Russo, a grad transfer from Temple, didn't quite develop as the Owls hoped. Nine touchdowns and six interceptions in four games last season. But there is talent in his right arm, especially if he's fully recovered from last year's shoulder injury. 
Center Matt Allen, another player we've discussed who lost some time due to injury last season, played just one game all year, but he is back taking advantage of his extra year of eligibility to man the pivot for the Spartans. And the name that many may not know, but a name they should know, is offensive tackle Jarrett Horst, a graduate transfer from Arkansas State who started his career in junior college, which certainly may explain why many don't know about him. But Tony, tell us what you like about Horst and Michigan State's other top prospects. Yeah, I mean, Horst is a guy who I've had graded as draftable the past two years. And I watched the Arkansas State film last year. Uh, He just continued to impress me. Now, he's presently listed at right tackle uh, on the Michigan State uh, depth chart. No scouts that I've spoken with have graded him, even though I have a six-round grade on him. Uh, maybe that's because he's listed. As, I have him listed as a fourth-year senior. Some places are listing him as fourth-year junior. But the fact is this. He's tall. He's mobile. He's terrific in pass protection. He can block in motion. He's got to get a little stronger. But I think he's a guy who can be a zone-blocking guard, maybe a left tackle. You mentioned Matt Allen. Matt Allen, if you look off of his junior film, is a late-round pick. He's got to return from that injury. You know, Anthony Russo, if you look at the 2019 film, he looked like a draftable pick. Just had a tough year at Temple last year. I think as we talked during our Temple breakdown, it's going to be difficult for that program moving forward. They seem to be in a tailspin. I think Russo made the right move transferring to uh, to Michigan State. And then there's Xavier Henderson, who kind of has fallen off a cliff. I mean, two years ago, I graded Xavier Henderson as a top 100 pick. His play last year was not good at all. He's got decent size. Not really fast afoot. He's a kind of a slower guy, but he gets to the action with good angles. I mean, scouts have him graded as a uh, street-free agent because his play has been so poorly lately. Heading up to Minnesota, two picks in April. Both of them landed in the top 75. Wide receiver Rashad Bateman and cornerback Benjamin St. Just. Gophers should extend their streak of having multiple players drafted to three years, even if none are going to go as high as Bateman and St. Just or even Antoine Winfield back in 2020. But offensive tackle Daniel Falele is a guy who gets some second-round grades from scouts despite opting out of the 2020 season. Big Australian who stands around six foot nine, well over 350 pounds. So obvious length and strength advantages there against anybody he goes up against. But he does need to show up after taking a year off to end up in round two. Edge rusher Boye Mafe, team-leading five-and-a-half tackles for loss and four-and-a-half sacks in six games last year, also forced two fumbles, an explosive player whose size means he'll likely have to play standing up over tackle in the NFL. And then his teammate, Asezi Otomeo, unlike Mafe, has the size to put his hand in the dirt, stepping into a more full-time role in 2021 after he made 15 tackles this past season. Tony, anything interesting for you outside of these guys in the trenches for the Golden Gophers? Well, uh, running back Muhammad Ibrahim, I'd give him a six-round grade. There are some scouts that grade him as a mid-fourth-round choice. Other scouts grade him as a street-free agent. I disagree. I mean, Ibrahim has been a real good running back at Minnesota the past three years. He's not a feature back for the next level, but he's a guy who you can use as a situational uh, ball carrier. He's tough on the inside. He's got the agility to turn the corner, although he's not going to beat any – he's not going to run the daylight. He's not going to run away from anybody. He's a real good pass catcher out of the backfield who also blocks. So I like his, his overall game. And I think he's worth a late round pick as a number three back at the next level. Tanner Morgan, the quarterback, he's talked about a lot in the internet world. You know, he's an accurate guy. He's a smart quarterback. 
he just doesn't have the big arm, and, and which is why I think he falls out of the draft. I've always been a big fan of Connor Olsen. He can play center. He can play guard. He's got good size. He's a smart player. Uh, I, I don't know that he gets drafted. I think he'll have a home in the next level as a backup, a, a swing interior lineman backup, an inexpensive utility lineman. You know, getting back to Fayalele, I mean, he's got the size and measurables. You talked about his height. You talked about his weight. His arms evidently go about 35 inches. His hands are over 11 inches big. You know, he just doesn't have the body of work. You mentioned there are some scouts out there that have him as a second-round pick. I've graded him as a late fourth-round choice. I want to see the, you know, the ability on the field. I want to see him play to that level, you know, to those measurables every down. Played okay in 2019. I think everybody was taken by his size. Opted out last year, as you mentioned. Really needs a big year to meet the expectations of scouts. Now, Nebraska took 2019 off from having players drafted. Two selections, though, each of the past two Aprils, all of them coming on day three, including friend of the show, Brendan James, this past April. And the Huskers should continue to impact day three of the draft in 2022. They have two productive defensive players to keep an eye on. Linebacker Jojo Doman, the leading tackler in 2020 with 58 in eight games, makes plays behind the line of scrimmage as well with 6.5 tackles for loss. Good coverage instincts. He has five pass breakups as well. Certainly the stats and the traits match up when you talk about Doman. And speaking of coverage, cornerback Cam Taylor-Britt, two interceptions and four pass breakups in eight games last year. Really nice size, around six foot, 200 pounds, a versatile player who can make plays against the run and play downhill in addition to making plays on the ball. What can we expect from the Huskers in the draft next April, Tony? Well, you know, like you said, it's probably going to be late rounders at best. Let's start off with Doman. Most of the scouts that I've talked to have given him a free agent grade, which I don't understand. I mean, he's 6'1". He goes about 230 pounds. He runs in the high four sixes. He's smart. He's instinctive. He's constantly making plays on the ball. He's a three-down defender who I believe is worth the six-round choice. Uh, Cam Taylor-Britt has got outstanding size. Six foot, he probably goes closer to 210 pounds. Runs in the high four fours. You can play him at corner. You can play him at safety. He's got to brush off his techniques. If he learns to do a better job making plays with his back to the ball and consistently does it, he could make a big move up boards. Cameron Jurgens, the center, I think, took a step back last year. I liked him as a zone-blocking center, a guy who's very good on his feet. Had a tough time with the snaps last year. He's got to get his game back on track, but he's entering his junior season, so time is on his side. Now, Northwestern, three players drafted in 2021. Two of them, first-round picks, Rashawn Slater, and Greg Newsom, first time even one Wildcat went that high in the draft since Luis Castillo back in 2005. And this was after having zero draft picks in 2020, which is actually the thing that's more likely to repeat next April. The best hope at a draft pick for the Wildcats, even if the odds are long, linebacker Chris Bergen played next to tackle magnets Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher last year, still managed to rack up 78 tackles in nine games, though. His size, unfortunately, not his friend at least if he's going to stay at linebacker. But in the end, just the kind of guy who could contribute on special teams in the NFL, but it's kind of a tweener between the linebacker and the safety positions. Tony, what else does Northwestern have to offer for next year's draft? Really nothing. I I mean, they were a fun team to watch last year. They put up a good fight in that Big Ten title game. You know, there was talk about Pat Fitzgerald getting head coaching offers in the NFL. 
he stayed at Northwestern, which is kind of gutsy on his part because from an on-the-field perspective, I think it's going to be a big fall from Northwestern, especially from where they were a year ago. I don't expect anybody from the team to get drafted. You mentioned Bergen. He's an undersized run-and-chase linebacker. He's tough. He's smart. I don't think he gets drafted, but I think he's someone who couldn't make a roster at the next level as a number eight linebacker and special teams player. Defensive tackle Trevor Kent has shown flashes of ability. Six, four and a half, 290 pounds. Runs in the uh, high four nines, low five O's. Smart player. He's got to get a little bit stronger. He's got to elevate his game. Now on to the crown jewel of the Big Ten Conference, and that is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ten picks back in April. Justin Fields in round one, Pete Werner and Josh Myers in round two, and three more guys in round three. Buckeyes have not put less than seven players into the draft since 2015. Could do even better in terms of total numbers in 2022 if all their underclassmen do end up heading to the draft. The Buckeyes have put six receivers in the top 100 between 2015 and 2019. Just one got drafted, though, the past two years, and that's K.J. Hill in round seven back in 2020. But for 2022, they could end up with two wideouts in the first round, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. The duo combined for almost 60% of Ohio State's receptions last season. Both went over 700 yards receiving in the shortened campaign. Olave has kind of a thin frame, but great speed, excellent route runner. Those traits really help him separate with ease at all levels of the field. And you can also count on him to make the important catches. Wilson, slightly shorter, a bit sturdier in terms of his frame thickness. Not quite as fast, but still a very good player who can also certainly crack the first-round mix. On defense, Zach Harrison and Seven Banks are the two Buckeyes with first-round potential. Banks actually made it into the top 10 of our 2022 mock draft a few weeks ago. Length and physicality are the strengths of his game, but I know Tony has some concerns, whereas Harrison, only three career starts, but already nine-and-a-half tackles for loss and five-and-a-half sacks in spot duty over his two seasons at Ohio State. This year, he's a full-fledged starter, so he's already garnering some preseason All-American hype, and the expectations really are high for the explosive edge rusher. Tony, break down these potential first-rounders for us on Ohio State and some of the notable second- and third-day prospects as well. I mean, we can do a whole show on Ohio State. That's how many guys they have. I mean, I've got – I'm looking at my list here. 14 guys with draftable grades, eight of them day one or two, three potential first-rounders. I mean, you, we go with Olave. Olave gave serious consideration to entering last year's draft. In fact, there was word that he was gone. He returned, I was told, because he believes he's going to be a top 10 pick in the 2022 draft. I don't think that's going to happen. I do think he's going to be a first-round pick. I think he could be a mid-first-round pick. He is a dynamic vertical receiver who also catches the underneath routes very well. He runs in the four threes. He plays in the four threes and he's a smart football player. He's not just a good athlete. He knows how to get separation. I like his game. I just don't think at this point in time, it's top 10 worthy. I also like Garrett Wilson a real lot. As you mentioned, maybe a half inch shorter, but about 12 pounds heavier, not as fast, but much sturdier. A guy who's very consistent, a guy who I also grade as a first rounder. You mentioned Zach Harrison, a supreme athlete who's just going to get better with more experience. And as he physically matures, a tremendous edge rusher has a great first step. He can bend off the edge and someone who I think will shine going to seven banks. I mean, we, you mentioned how we had seven banks when we did our uh, 
top 10 mock draft. When I watch the film on Seven Banks, two things concern me. His deep speed and the inability to make plays with his back to the ball. He was someone who was constantly face-guarding opponents. Very physical. He's got excellent length, but he really needs a lot of work on this game. One guy I really like a lot, much more than scouts do, is defensive tackle Haskell Garrett. I've not spoken with a single scout that has Haskell Garrett graded as a second day pick. I have him as a third rounder, 6'2", 305. He's explosive. He's a three technique type who also shows a lot of strength in his game. Uh, Other guys, they've got two terrific tackles there, Nicholas Petit-Frere and Thaler Munford. Petit-Frere is probably more athletic. Munford is bigger and stronger. I believe they're both uh, third round picks. Tyreek Smith is the guy who's a fringe day two pick, maybe in the third round, six, three and a half, 257 pounds, average size and speed, but knows how to get up the field behind the line of scrimmage and make plays. Now, another top program in the conference, Penn State had two first round defensive players selected in April, Micah Parsons and Jason Owe, six total picks, at least five in each of the past four drafts and should be able to keep that streak alive next April and really here. Linebacker U strikes again with Brandon Smith as Penn State's top 2022 draft prospect. 37 tackles, eight of them for loss in nine games last year as a sophomore. He's got above average size for a modern linebacker. He's very athletic as well. Does have to boost that on-field production I mentioned just a little bit. But if he does, he looks like a guy that could be the entire package at the linebacker position. We talked about Rashid Walker on the show last year, both before and during the season. With positive reviews, the first-round potential is definitely there for him. Just needs to clean up a few things in his game. Round one, though, probably not in the cards for his teammate, wide receiver Jahan Dotson, despite leading the Big Ten in receiving in 2020 at 52 catches for 884 yards and eight touchdowns in nine games. In a lot of ways, he's like a poor man's Chris Olave. He's not quite as big. He's not quite as fast, but he separates very well, capable of making plays downfield, and just overall consistent receiver. Tony, what do you see at Penn State for next April's draft? Yeah, you know, speaking of Dotson, he is well-liked in the scouting community. A lot of scouts have second-round grades on him. I like him more as a fourth-rounder. I want to see him elevate his game. I don't know if it's him or the poor quarterback play at uh, Penn State. I'm not a big fan of Sean Clifford. Dotson's relatively athletic, but again, you mentioned, you know, with size 5'10 and a half, 180 pounds. You know, maybe he's the number three. I don't know that he's worth a day two pick. I could be wrong if he elevates his grade. Brandon Smith was a guy who just popped out to me on film. I mean, he was all over the place making uh, plays. Goes about six foot two in the 240s. He plays in the four fives. A real three down defender. Excellent range. Covers a lot of area on the field. Good in coverage. Good in pursuit. Rasheed Walker. I had Rasheed Walker as a, a potential first rounder off the 2019 film. Don't think he really improved this game or at least the way I had hoped. He's got good size, but he's got to learn to play to his size. He doesn't finish blocks. He falls off of blocks, which is a concern for me, but he's big and he's athletic and he's got a, a large amount of upside. So if he has a good year, you know, that first round grade is a possibility if he decides to enter the draft. I know that he's been rated by scouts uh, because they like him. They like his upside. And then the one guy who gets grades anywhere from the second round the fifth round is Tariq Castro-Fields, the cornerback. Outstanding size, outstanding speed, but just very inconsistent on the field. Now, Purdue had two draft picks in 2021, the second straight year. 
that the Boilermakers pulled that off. And they could top that in 2022. They could even top Rondell Moore going with pick 49. And Moore was the highest drafted Boilermaker since Kawan Short went 44th overall in 2013. But edge rusher George Karlaftis is a guy who could end up in the first round with a good season. 17 tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks as a freshman in 2019. Just two sacks in three games last year because injuries and a positive COVID test shortened his season even more than the season was already shortened for the Big Ten. But he's an explosive rusher with versatility who, if he's able to either match or even top those 2019 numbers, could become a household name in a hurry. Now, Karlaftis is the obvious headliner for Purdue, but there are several other options on the third day on this depth chart as well. Yeah, I mean, Karlaftis reminds me a bit of Ryan Kerrigan, uh, former first-round pick out of Purdue. Very athletic, a guy who can bend off the edge, a guy who disrupts the action. Like you said, it was up and down last year for a couple of reasons, but when he's on his game, wow. I mean, he's got good size. He's very athletic. He's very explosive. I presently grade him as an early second-round pick, but if he has the year he's capable of having and he stays healthy, absolutely think Carl Aftis can jump into the top 20 of next year's draft. they got a couple of good linebackers in Jalen Graham, an underclassman, more of an undersized run-and-chase linebacker, and Jalen Alexander, who some scouts grade as a street-free agent. I have him as a fifth-rounder, six-foot-one-half-inch, 240 pounds, runs and plays in the low four sevens constantly around the action and keep an eye on offensive lineman, Greg long uh, plays left tackle. I think he'll probably end up being pushed into guard at the next level. He's athletic. He's mobile. He's tough. He's strong. He's got a good amount of upside. One last guy I got to mention Xander Horvath. their uh, fullback kind of a throwback West coast type of fullback six foot two, 234 pounds can handle the ball can produce as a ball carrier, exceptional pass catcher out of the backfield. Granted, you know, we don't use West Coast fullbacks that much more in the in the league, uh, but, you know, Xander Horvath is going to get drafted next year, and he's going to play for a creative offensive coordinator. So we have two teams left here in the Big Ten. The first of those teams is Rutgers. No draft picks since 2019, but that should change next April, thanks to both in-house talent and graduate transfers. Again, mostly day three options for the Scarlet Knights, led by a talented pair of safeties. Richard Jr. safety, Christian Izine, 66 tackles, four interceptions in nine games last year. Free safety size, but is able to defend the run well in addition to the coverage skills as seen in those numbers. And then senior safety, Avery Young, 58 tackles, doesn't quite have the ball skills that Izine has with just one career interception, but does have a bit better size those guys aren't the only intriguing prospects, though, on the Rutgers defense. Isn't that right, Tony? Yeah, there's also another Temple transfer, Christian Braswell, someone who I grade as a mid-round pick off the 2019 film, was another guy who struggled at Temple last year. As I said earlier in this program, as Chris and I said when we did our AAC preview, Temple seems to be in a, in a tailspin. I think Braswell made a great career decision transferring to Rutgers where he'll get great coaching because uh, Shiano is a tremendous coach. Isaiah Pacheco, the running back, he's more of a multi-purpose situational ball carrier. Julius Turner is an explosive interior back that scouts really haven't graded. I have a six-round grade on him uh, because he's a guy who plays hard. He's a three-technique type who plays with great uh, pad level. 
uh, Olakuni Fadakasi, whose brother plays for the New York Jets, is a tremendous interior linebacker with great instincts. Tyshawn Fogg is a guy who, not a great athlete, but a real smart linebacker who probably won't get drafted, but will make a, uh, make a roster as a backup linebacker, special teams player. The thing about Rutgers is, you know, for a number of years there, Rutgers film was impossible to get through because the team was so bad. That Since Shiano got there last year, it's the exact opposite. I mean, they are enjoyable to watch because really they're mediocre athletes. But they are in every game. They compete. They fight. They claw. They were one bad missed field goal away from beating Michigan last year. And I expect Rutgers to be much better on the field this year under Shiano. I think their war room results will be better, but they're not going to be great. They won't really start to turn around until Shiano gets a couple more recruiting classes in there. Or we get a couple more grad transfers like Maijay or Braswell who uh, want to get out of bad situations and get into a good situation at Rutgers. Strange to say good situation in Rutgers in the same sentence, but here we are in 2021 to our final team in the conference though. And that is the Wisconsin Badgers, three draft picks in April, all on day three, including friend of the show, Isaiah Loudermilk. And at least three Badgers have been drafted each of the past five years should easily make it six next April. And if it feels like we've been talking about tight end Jake Ferguson forever, well, it's because we have 36 catches for 456 yards and four touchdowns in 13 games as a freshman back in 2018, 30 catches for 305 yards and four scores in seven games last year, led the team in receiving with all of those numbers, solid size and blocking ability, not an elite seam stretcher, but a good consistent receiver who projects probably, you know, as a low end starting tight end, maybe a high end backup at the NFL level. Senior linebacker Jack Sanborn has led the Badgers in tackles each of the past two seasons. Doesn't really stand out otherwise. Just one interception and one sack last year after he had three picks and five and a half sacks in 2019. Caden Lyles and Logan Bruss, a pair of potential late round offensive linemen who can each play multiple positions up front. Tony, wrap us up here with your thoughts on the Badgers. Well, my thought, first of all, is I was very surprised Jake Ferguson returned for his senior season rather than entered last year's draft, considering, you know, uh, the slim talent at the position. Jake Ferguson may have been the third or fourth tight end selected, probably would have been a third round pick. That's where I have him graded. That's where most scouts I've spoke with have, have him graded. Six, four and a half, 245 pounds, an outstanding pass catcher who also does a solid job as a blocker. Caden Lyles will play center this year. He was real good as a guard in 2019. He's got decent size. Logan Bruss is a little bit bigger. You know, both of these guys are your typical Wisconsin offensive linemen. Big, powerful, plotting type of guys. Jack Sanborn, I know he gets a lot of love in the internet world. I have him graded as a six-rounder, which is higher than most scouts I've spoken with who have him graded as a seventh-rounder. He's a good football player. He's not a great athlete. Six, one and a half, 237 pounds. He runs and plays in the uh, four eights. I like Scott Nelson, the safety. I've given him a seventh round grade, which is higher than what most scouts have him. But again, it's, it's situation with speed with Scott Nelson. Runs in the four sixes, six, two, 207 pounds. He's a hard hitter. Not a guy who uh, is very versatile. I think he's more of a zone or strong safety. He's got to play downhill, but comes with a special teams mentality. And that's it for the 199th episode of the Draft Analysts, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? 
If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We'll be back next week for episode number 200 as we continue our summer scouting previews. But until then, for Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. Good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.